All right, everybody. This is Kevin, a podcast for me. Podcast for me, as well as a podcast for you. I'm your host, K Dog. I, I introduced myself uh, in two different ways. I said Kevin, and then I said K Dog. Well, anyways, this is a podcast uh, that I had to re record the intro and the outro because like, apparently my microphone was really hard to pick up sounds, but I fixed that. And uh, what this podcast is more a bunch of uh, little clips that I cobbled together of thoughts that I had. And then so you'll hear me say a lot. Yeah, that's my final thought. <laughs> but then it keeps going. And there's like slight pauses. Because I had the idea at one time to let the recording go. And um, I was going to use that, that ambient um, recording to then isolate it and then take it out. Uh, that's a thing that you could do on, on the program, but, um, yeah, I'm too lazy. So that's how that worked out. Well, anyways, this podcast is, uh, let's see what topics do I cover. I cover, uh, angry feminists, you know, kill men. Um, and then I got some, uh, Ben Shapiro. got a little debate on that, uh, discussing uh, ideologies and such. And, um, that's about it really. Um, just enjoy. <laughs> it's like I'm ordering you. Enjoy, motherfucker. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Kevin at Podcast for Me. I'm just doing a quick, uh, not car thoughts, but it's thought thoughts. I figured I'd record it right quick. I watched this uh, video on uh, this movie called Silence. So, because I don't have that much time, I don't have time usually to sit through a whole movie. Well, it's not that. It's just that, like, with the time that I have available for doing nonsense, you got to kind of pick and choose what you get. So to facilitate, you know, watching movies without actually watching them, because I do, I do consider I like content. I do like nuance, but sometimes I just don't have the time to watch a movie for all that. And sometimes movies use atmosphere music ambiance to really stretch it out you know i don't think they're they mean to but to establish a mood and said and such i'm more of a story and content i just i just need a little and i can kind of go you i can kind of get there with it you know but whatever that so <laughs> i watch these little videos that are pretty much breakdowns of the movie and one video was a breakdown of this movie called silence it's a movie about spoilers if you haven't seen it. I haven't, so it's not really a spoiler now, is it? So it's basically, I guess I'm walking around, running out of breath. I'm so fat. Um, Silence is about uh, this priest, right? It's great, awesome priest. He's the most priesty of them all, played by um, Liam Nielsen. Which is awesome, because I love that guy. He's awesome. Liam Nielsen. Neil- Nielsen? And um, he goes to Japan. This is back in the 1800s, I guess. It's when Japan opened its borders, and there was a lot of trade and all that. And uh, one uh, kind of trade was religion. So Liam Nielsen's in uh, Japan trying to teach the gospel of God and all that. And... Japan's not too keen about this whole God thing. So they made him renounce his religion. They're like, what the fuck? 
So the church is like, what? This can't be. This is fucking crazy. Um, and uh, let me pause this. <laughs> Anyways, I had to respond to a friend. I was texting. It's birthday party today. Anyways, so silent. You got most Christian of Christian, christian priests going to Japan, trying to convert, doing the Lord's work. And uh, renounces his religion, you know, saying fucking forget God, fuck that nonsense. That's some crazy shit, right? Whoa, 1800s or whatever, 1400s. I, I don't, I don't know. It can't be 1400s. It's gotta be the 1800s or maybe 17. Who gives a fuck? Anyways, so the church comes up with this cockamamie idea. We're gonna send two of his best students to go and win him back, see what's up, to to make sure this this is what happened. And it's played by um, Kylo Ren, uh, Adam Strong, and um, this other guy who was Spider-Man. The fuck is his name? Andy, Andy Gerfield. Those are two really good actors, I have to say. And I have much respect for both of them, if not more for Kylo Ren or Andy Strong, because he's like, you know, a Marine or was one. And I think that guy's cool. I just I just really, really like that guy. Huge-ass nose, though. What's up with that? Anyways. So... They're um uh, they're going to Japan. And they come across this homeless dude, and um, he, he I guess he's their guide, and he uh, he knows what's up. He knows all about this whole God thing, and he renounced God several times, and uh, he's all he's all about the life, right? He's like I'm all about God, but I renounced him, so forgive me. Them being churchly, they're like grossed out by him and shit because he's dirty and shit, you know, and he's ungodly because he fucking turned in their friends and he's just a shitty dude to them in in, in that respect they perceive him as a shitty guy because he's drinking a lot and dirty and fucking renouncing god and all that but he asked for forgiveness and them being awesome you know because they're all about god they got to forgive they forgive him and and this guy fucks him over several times throughout the movie he betrays him all the time for silver that's kind of funny you know kind of like a judas and uh, one, okay, so Adam Strong, he's one of the students, but Andy Garfield seems to be the main guy, because he's like, he wants to be like Jesus, he wants to follow his way, he's a big Jesus freak, man, he's all about it, he hear, he sees his face, he, I think he hears his voice, I'm not too sure, he's all about Jesus, and they come across uh, a village that was all about Jesus, right, and this is some crazy shit, they're secret Jesus fans, now, they're, tr they're teaching them the lessons and shit. And it's kind of weird that they're all about it. Because they don't know English too well. But the, the, the priests don't know Japanese at all. In fact, they're not even trying to learn it. They're just teaching God. They're not trying to learn shit. They're just, hey, we're here to teach, motherfucker. We're not here to learn. The fuck? That's what God's all about. Teaching you shit, not learning shit. Fuck that. We're not like you. <laughs> That's basically what they were. <laughs> and, um... So... The there's this um inquisitor guy, it's a pretty cool name. He comes down and um just arrests everybody, he gots them, and basically goes to torture them, torture the uh the villagers left and right, you know. And um, and they the, the priests are the ones who have to um give up God, but they won't, and they, so the torture ensues. This goes on for a bit. And it's funny because the Japanese people are speaking English, these guys. So they're willing to learn because they know their language. 
Not only that, they understand their religion far more better than they do. And the guy's like, look, I'm not... And then what, what's cool about it is the, the main villain is weird kind... I like these kinds of villain where they're understanding. A villain who's just bad, but they're also understanding. And that's what makes them so efficient. You know, they're just, they get it. They're not cruel because they decide, you know what, today I'm cruel. They, they're cruel because of the methods they need to reach. They understand what they need to do when they reach these methods. And they just happen to be bad. And I like these kinds of villains. So he, with this, and he has a shitty voice. He's like, hey man, I don't understand the way he talks. He goes, look, I get your religion. It's good. It's all good. But we can't let that shit come in to Japan. Because it'll take away from Japan, you know. And he, he makes this comparison where he goes, Japan is like, uh, how do I, how did he say it? He was like, it's a, it's like the lord of the house. And you people are like concubines, like four concubines, trying to get the attention away from, you know, the love of his wife, which is the people, you know. And he's like Portugal, Brazil, or is that the same place? I don't know. And he goes uh, London, you know, or England. You guys and religion and all that, you guys are just trying to get his attention when you should be actually focusing on the people. We can't have that. So that's why we're here. And he goes, look, you know, like, it's not that, you know, I know you want to die, but that's not, that's not going to get anyone to believe in, you know, that this religion's fake. It's because, you you know, you're dying for your religion. Your religion preaches dying for your religion. So that's why they're dying for the religion. We can't have people dying for this religion. They should be dying for their people. And um, you could kind of understand that. Japanese culture, samurai, bonsai, give it all for your people you know as comparison to your god and i'm going to get more into that in a second so um so that the whole thing is him just killing people left and right in bad ways and uh adam strong's character dies drowning trying to save a, a fucking priest or a, a villager and he drowns and uh yeah it shit sucks dude and then meanwhile the um <laughs> it, it, it is saddest moment you know his bestie's dead you know, all is lost. Uh, that one guy, I forgot his name, some Japanese dude. I forgot his name. Uh, anyways, he comes out and he goes, uh, forgive me for betraying you guys. And because he's still trying to be all Christian-y and Jesus-y. He's like, I forgive you, you know, because he's separate from these guys. You know, because he's of God, you know. And um, this comes all the way back to like a cool land and like they're fucking they do this thing where they torture these people they bury them upside down with a cut on their head so they bleed out so these these villagers are gonna die very fucking slowly and because uh, he got a lot of villagers to kill and there's other villagers that are witnessing this shit the goal is to get him to step on some kind of a golden tapest golden tablet you know representing god if you step on this shit and renounce your religion those guys will survive but if not they're just gonna keep killing these fucking people to the point where it doesn't matter. And this is all the goal, you know, to get the religious dude, the Jesus dude, to just renounce his uh, thing. So lo and behold, Liam Nielsen, nice and clean, looking awesome in his Japanese outfit, you know. And he's like, "Hey, look, bro, I did it. You can do it too, you know. You, if you don't do this, they'll die. And it's vanity that's keeping you from not doing this." And he goes, what do you mean? And he's, he's, he explains that. And he goes, he goes, they're not dying 
for God. They're dying for you, you know, for your glory. And you're letting them die. If you just, like, step on the fucking thing, and then, you know, they'll live, and then you can go another day, you know, and uh, continue your godlike work or whatever. I actually don't know the particulars of that. But the guy's, like, holding on to his faith and shit, and then uh, Liam was like, oh, you gonna fucking pray, huh? So I prayed, too. But you're gonna have to watch this shit. So he makes him watch, watch them fucking die slowly. Eventually, he gives in and steps on the fucking thing and um, renounces God. And in that moment, I guess he can hear Jesus um, tell him to step on it. And he, like, he sacrifices his faith, basically. Then he gets all clean. Everyone lives. And he lives a long life to the point where he dies and gets burned alive or buried or cremated. I think it's cremated. With a little cross in his hand. And um, he does forgive that Japanese guy again. The the one, the guide who fucked him over so many times. And, and in that moment, he realizes that, you know, the silence from God was his very voice. You know, the thing that he did when he stepped on that, that, uh, that, uh, that tab- tablet thing. Uh, the, the Japanese guy now recognizes God. Like he's like, that's that's true belief, you know, to sacrifice everything, even your faith, to believe, which is a fucking weird ass contradiction. So whatever, whatever on that movie. Okay, so my thoughts on this. I, I this is the grand scheme of things from this movie. I, I I've I have some thoughts. Um, what religion? Christianity is a weird fucking thing. It really is, because it's, it's full of contradictions. And the beauty of it is trying to aspire to something you'll never get. You know, like always try to be better than you were. I'm all about that, right? So Christianity is all about Jesus, right? Jesus is all like, hey, look, man. When I'm here, there is, I'm here, I'm a sword to cut everything. You know, religions, families, governments. It's all about me. Everything for me. I mean, that's basically what he says, right? And that w- what that means is, it's not so much as like he's like an asshole or anything like that. It just means that, you know, everything for Jesus, you know, everything you do for Jesus, you know, if you have a choice between your wife and Jesus, it's all about Jesus. Because the ideology behind that, I know it sounds shitty, but the ideology behind that is like, look, when you die, that's where you're at. You're with Jesus, right? Now, none of this matters. This life doesn't matter. The life that you live right now, if you're believing in this. And um, that's that's basically it. If you think about it in that way, really, your wife, your kid, everything here, materialize, it means nothing. You know, just live the best life that you can. And then um, even if, like, you have to renounce everything, well, I mean, Jesus comes first. So I guess you can't renounce. See, that's the thing. I don't get that. Like, uh, him giving up his faith... To, to be, you know, all about Jesus, you know, it's kind of contradictory. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you have a being of infinite intelligence, power, and, and benevolence, that he, he would, or she, he would get the, get the fucking hint, you know. Like, oh, man, he was going to torture those people. You know, like, dying is one thing. I think that's, that's the separation between everything. I think that that's why the Bible isn't able to correctly define certain things because dying in christianity isn't a bad deal because you die you go to heaven boom you're done right so this life really means nothing however 
Um, I don't think they want, I don't know. There's nothing in the Bible to say that your life is supposed to be awesome. Nothing. It's supposed to be full of struggle. And through that, you come better and then you die. You know, I don't know. So, I, oh, I guess there's nothing in the Bible really about, like, how you, how, you know, being tortured alive, you know, to renounce your religion, it's, it, this is a pass. Because this could be a test for you dying, and then, oh, yeah, so I guess, um, this sucks for you Christians, because this, that's what it is. I mean, like, everything's a test, right? So if you're getting tortured and you have to renounce your God, you better not, because it's a test, right? rough I wonder if there's some kind of a metric to that you know like you got 80% you know yeah you jacked off quite a bit but you know you you endured that torture so you get in or you know what you were doing good until you got tortured so I could see why respect you got 80% and you get into heaven huh <laughs> To go all the way in that direction, I don't know. To aspire to that. You know what, though? The Bible is built up in, in uh, a, lo a lot of things in which, um, you know, beg for forgiveness, all that bullshit. But also, oh, this is a Catholic church, though, isn't it? Because they were, you know, begging for forgiveness to priests. And they were baptizing. They weren't like Protestants. Well, whatever. I digress. Anyways, there's a lot of parts in the religion of Christianity where uh, forgiv forgiveness is a thing, you know. Because you're not perfect. You should try to be better. So if you were to just say, you know, God doesn't exist, you know, because, you know, torture or whatever, then I guess it's all right as long as you ask for forgiveness, you know. And then you're all worried about that one part where Jesus was like, hey, man, you can't, like, a rich man can't ask for forgiveness as he's dying, you know, or some shit like that. Wonder, but then again, infinite intelligence, infinite benevolence, infinite foresight. They knows what's up. But there's, there's another contradictory. If he already knows that you're going to fail, then why live life? So, I mean, yeah, what would be the point? Just to understand it? See, that's why you're going to hell. Because you did all this bad shit, you just needed to understand it. And now that you understand, you go to hell for all eternity? Hmm. In the Bible, hell isn't really like, you know, flames and shit. I, I guess some parts probably have that, but it really is just separation of God. That's how it was explained to me by some pastor long, long ago. You got God, you know, light, good, all that, and then you're not there. So that would kind of suck, right? Hate, hate being left out on a party. <sighs> hmm. My thoughts on that respect, though. I really do think that the religion thing is a, a thing in which there's some kind of a consciousness that is out there trying to get you to be better than you were yesterday, you know, and these religions kind of teach that, you know, any religion trying to make you the best you that you are and try to give others, this sounds like some good wisdom, right? And it can't just be we just evolved to that, it just sounds better. Getting something tastes way better than taking something you know it just does getting gifted something with everything uh like a back rub taking a back rub isn't fun rubbing your own back isn't fun so if you're nice to somebody and they rub your back as a gift that's a good thing you know 
like, you know, making someone play with your balls or you're playing with your balls isn't as good as someone saying, you know what, you've been good to me, you know, since uh, you threw that football really well, I'm playing with your balls. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's the thing. I, I think that that's uh, religion in all its forms is just a way to get people to do better than yesterday and to move forward and helping one another. Wisdom, a lot of wisdom, you know. You know, if you care about something, let it go. That kind of thing. You know, Solomon, when he was going to go cut the baby in half, that's pretty morbid. You know, I don't get the Abraham one, though. Just trust in those beliefs. That does sound like, I, I bet the Bible is full of actual wisdom that was good, and other parts were just to establish control. Kind of like a, like, a, like a test, like CIA administer or some shit like that. Like, okay, these are actual lessons. These part will instill control dominance. You know, like Abraham saying, hey, I gotta kill my kid because God said so. And then God stops. And then that would be like, hey, look, you know, if you don't trust in God, boom. Noah's Ark, fear God, you know. But yeah, that silence was pretty cool in the sense that uh, it really breaks down that fucking uh, Christianity very well. One would say, deconstructing it. Because it's easy to say, oh yeah, just believe. And it was easy for those guys to just give their life over because they're like, oh yeah, I'll just give my life. you know. But if you're willing to give it, then that's not really sacrifice. Sacrifice is something you're not willing to give. And that's the true lesson. You know, God gave, or Jesus gave away his life, you know, for, for everybody else. A God amongst men, you know, that kind of thing. And that's kind of like, you know, the ultimate sacrifice that a normal person can understand. But it's not like you could choose other lessons to sh- demonstrate sacrifice. You just have to understand that kind of thing. Hopefully people with wisdom would, you know, kind of spread that shit. It's not like God came back and then said, hey, okay, now I give up Jesus too. You know, that wouldn't make sense because he's Jesus. Well, that's it for that uh, that little tidbit. I hope you enjoyed. Religion cast. So, <clears throat> I had this, uh, I was listening to this um, podcast, or YouTube podcast, I don't know. And uh, you had these two guys are super sexist they're they're like the polarized right almost but sometimes they do say some centrist things i don't know like if it was a number line going to towards the right and left they were they're more like and say zero to like 10 they're like around five <laughs> i would say but they do say some hard shit so i bring them up to a six yeah, they're not really winning any arguments with their uh, sexism and racism and things like that. But they do bring up some interesting points. There's little nuggets of truth in what they say, but might get hindered by what how they say things. Um, but whatever on that. I'm not going to get into details of the podcast. But they were talking about this uh, one video of this feminist who says violence is good, right? And she goes into not detail, but just how it's like generalized stuff where it's like shit that just sounds good, right? Like uh, rape, rape is bad and 
murdering is bad, but she takes a more uh, st stronger side of it. She goes, raping women is bad, killing women is bad, and like the way when she says it, she says it in a way where like she should get applauded, but like everybody knows this though. I, there's not many people on the earth that are like, yeah, rape is a good thing and and killing is a good thing. And the people that do believe that, I would like when she said that, I was like, let's let's take a step back. Who is saying these things? Because if you're talking about a religion that does this, that practices it, forcing women, basically let's let's just break rape down. Forcing women you know, into like a sexual thing. Like, I'm going to force this woman with this cock, you know, and I'm going to do stuff to her. And then there's, you know, murder, you know, ending a life. And what religions are, are forcing men to, or women to to get married and, and raping them? That That's what I would say. Now, actual rape, just random rape, like I'm a fucking crazy person, I'm going to rape. You know, like, you like to say that, you know, no, no, there are, there are bad people out there. You know, there are bad men out there that rape and murder, you know. And there's women out there that do the same. Not rape, per se, but, I mean, there probably is. Where they're forcing their, their dominance on other, other men or women or whatever, right? But this feminist is so skewed in the sense that, you know... It's only men that are doing these things. And I, I have to give it to her. I mean, right? Men do do things like this. Men are mostly the ones who are the perpetrators of these things, I would say. But that's not all. I mean, men do good things too. I mean, the whole breadth of what men do, you know, that is bad, is equal to what they do is good, if not skewed towards more good, right? It's not like, like as in your life right now, are there people raping Cause we have laws, you know. <laughs> it's not, it's not a thing. I mean, it does happen. It's on the news, but the instances of it happening, and uh, the reality is like real skewed towards not happening as much. I mean, it does happen. I'm not negating the fact that it happens, but it's like I don't know anyone right now that's getting raped, you know. As far as I know, you know, I would hope they would they turn them into the police in the year 2019. Uh, another thing is, um, uh, it as she went on to speak, and not really getting great detail, she just kind of surfacely said things like, rape is bad, men are bad, men and w women need equality. And I, like the more she talked, the more skewed towards reality I thought she was, deranged as it were, in the sense that like there's so many contradictions. She doesn't have like real well thought out thoughts. She's just a woman who has a powerful voice, you know, who just says things that of course everyone has to agree with. Men shouldn't rape, men shouldn't murder. I mean, that's a, that's a reality. I mean, to reiterate it isn't gonna fix anything. And she goes, she, violence is the key. And I'm like, what What the fuck? Violence? What are you going to do? Kill people before they start doing stuff? So my, my son, who's like nine, let's let's kill him. Or, or after the fact that he rapes. I say that we should just raise better men, you know? That's the key to most things, is raise better people. Give them the means to raise them right, and hopefully they choose the right paths. I mean...
there's a reason why human beings aren't just physically eating shit. They were raised a certain way. There's a reason human beings aren't randomly putting their heads in the sand and just being buried alive for no fucking reason at all. There's a lot of no fucking reason at all, you know? Let's talk about things that make you feel good. There's a reason why, like, right now, I'm not going to go next door and start killing my, my neighbors because that's not a thing I do. I wasn't raised that way, you know? I mean, if you raise your kids right... You're just not going to do it. And I was, I was raised pretty fucked up, but it's not a thing in which I was like, you know what, I feel like, today I feel like killing, you know. That's not a thought in my head because we've created a society to denounce murder and things like that, you know. And there's no violence to it. It's just we don't do it. I mean, it happens, but we still don't do it. And education was the key to that. Same thing with rape or fucking anything, really, that's bad. And the contradictions of this fucking lady. So she wants to murder people, right? granted okay but she doesn't want the death penalty so if someone rapes it's cool to kill them but not through death penalty you got to kill them right then and there who's 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 doling out this justice just random people the reason why we have society in in courts is because yes it does make sense right a normal person who's about to get raped to kill them yes how about a person who's delusional and that's, there's a lot of that, and especially this lady's delusional. Like, where they think, oh, this person's trying to rape me. Well, how did you come to that conclusion? Well, they looked at me the wrong way. So it was my purvy to kill this person. The reason why we have courts is because me, outside of that loop, will judge accordingly. We'll be like, hey, look, um, he just looked at you, and you decided to murder him? I don't think that was the right thing to do. Same thing with, say, the store clerk who murdered this teenage kid this kid stole some beer and so the and, and ran out so the clerk ran outside and shot that kid now yes that kid was wrong for stealing and no that guy was not right for killing that kid for stealing that's a disproportionate crime to murder ratio and then to chase him down and shoot him behind his back you know I mean, there's a reason why that guy's going to jail is because we as a group of people decided to have a court and decide his fate. Now, we could have decided that he was okay, and that could have been argued, but at least there was a, a system in place. I mean, it's not perfect. Let's be real. There, there's no perfect system, but there's a system nonetheless. And so if there's a system to decide whether or not this was a rape or not, or if this person's telling the truth. So you're saying like a woman, this feminist lady, could just point at a person and say, this guy raped me, and we're just going to have to take her word for it. Or do we going to have to have some kind of a, a, a court system? That's not even perfect, but at least it's better than nothing. At least give that person a fucking ghost of a chance, you know? And, um, and that'd be the end of it. But this lady proposes that we should just murder. And she doesn't really understand her own ideas. As she said it, she just said it, like, flippantly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Murder's good. Death penalty's bad. We should never have a death penalty. State shouldn't decide who should die. So if the group of people cannot decide, then the individual must decide. I mean, that's your logic. But I, I don't even think she thought it out like that. I don't even think she thought it out at all. She's what creates this... Just like those guys on the YouTube podcast who actually give out kernels of good ideas, it gets lost in their their uh, racist remarks or the sexist remarks, which doesn't offend me at all, by the way. I, it doesn't bother me. What bothers me is the fact that some of the truth that th they say 
will be ignored because of the other things they say. This woman is the opposite end of that, which she doesn't probably even understand. She's a feminist, and she wants these contradictory ideas. And because of that, everything she says, even though truthfully, is fucking conflated by the things that she says. You know, the contradictions and the and the fucking putrid hate coming from her and everything else. I mean, the things that she says is just stupid. But it is true. You shouldn't rape. So that is true. <laughs> I don't think she's going to instill more rapists. But, I mean, the, the idea of making violence is a, a, a thing to do in the year 2019 and on. Like, that's a thing to do, right? Be violent. Martin Luther King, super violent. He got so much done with his violence. No, actually, he didn't. He talked. And get this, you know, black people were treated just a little bit better, you know, through talking, which, duh, you know, nothing was ever solved by violence at this day and age. It just wasn't, you know, you kill a person, another one rises. We, in, in, our, in our time, we have the ISIS, we have a terrorist, Osama bin Laden, he destroys two towers or whatever the fuck. We kill him, another person takes his place. We kill him, another person takes his place. I mean, the violence doesn't really cause anything. Education is the key. I mean, if you educate the people that one person isn't going to do shit if a group of people decide that one person's crazy. <laughs> so you have ten people, and you got the one leader, and he's psycho. If he convinces the other nine, you know, to do something, there you go. But if you convince the nine other people that, you know, to think for themselves, when a psycho arrives, they won't be... They won't be dis persuaded to do the bad things, you know. Yeah, suicide bomb, nine virgins, good to go. Things like that. She's also she also like I want more murder. She doesn't clarify. Then she goes, she's anti-police and anti-state, anti-prisons, anti-incarceration. So what the fuck are you gonna do? I mean, you can't propose something like that as a, just a sentence and just call it a day. You can't just say, yeah, I'm anti-prison. And that's why murder's good. You gotta come up with an alternative. Just murdering? That's called the Wild Wild West. And that's not a good thing. I could just deem... See, she wants a world without order. She wants chaos. Well, guess what, girl? If you, get, if you have that, then you have more rape. Because if you just have people just doling out their own justice, then you need to have more bad people. That's why we have a system that works. Not a system that works, but a system in place. So it can outlive people. <laughs> So you're not, like, just deciding shit. The system is deciding shit. And she goes, yeah. So she's she's obviously super confused on what she's saying because she's so, like, passionate about it. And she's not really focused. She's too busy, like, telling people rather than listening to understand what she's talking about. She's just a person who just likes to talk, you know, and just be violent. She's all like, uh, this guy asked her, what is it that you want? Which was a stupid fucking question. She goes, I want men to stop raping. I want men to stop murdering and beating us. And I'm like, who the fuck out there that you're talking to? You're telling me who you're talking to right there in that whole group of people. There's like hundreds of people. They're all about that? They're all about raping? I mean, if there's a one person raping, that's that one person. They're, they're fucked up. They should be dealt with accordingly. But, I mean, that's not a thing that people do. Like, my kid's not like, oh, yeah, you know, today I feel like raping. No, he wasn't raised that way. 
Not yet, that is. I don't know. You don't know the future, what choices people lead. But just to decide that all people just are like, yeah, you know what? Rape is good. No one's thinking that. That's that's a crazy thing to fucking say. What she said was stupid. She doesn't understand what she's trying to say. You know, men do bad things. And you're just focused on one, like, 50% of the population. Why don't you just focus on education, you know? And, like, what, are you going to educate someone to rape, not rape? No, you can just educate people and how to have empathy for others. I, I mean, that would be the thing to do, right? I mean, a person who's going to rape is going to rape because they want control. They, they lost control at one point or another, and they decided to take that control back. It's not about coming, you know? That's, that's not the real reason. It's just to take the power back of something they lost. And um, maybe education will fix that too. Who knows? But we're not like 3,000 years ago where raping was normal. Uh, yeah, rape control. And this, this whole, the way these kind of feminists work, they, they come from a, a process of hate and control. They lost control at one point, and in, in turn, it is a type of rape. They, they want to exert their power. They don't want equality. Like, I remember when, you know, not remember, but I remember in history when the feminists wanted to vote. You know, men gave them that because they couldn't, like, vote for themselves to vote. They couldn't vote. Women's suffrage was men decided that they could vote because they wanted equality. And then what what did we go and do? We were uh, men are not trying for equality. They're the ones who gave you the right to vote. They gave that to you. They didn't have to. They could have just kept voting no. Women shouldn't. You just keep fucking fighting back and forth, but then you still wouldn't have it. They just decided, you know what? For the greater good of humanity, go ahead and vote. And that's the way it is. Same thing with a lot of things, you know? <laughs> you getting caught up in equality. But it's not equality. You want power. You don't want equality. Like, for instance, garbage men. Garbage guys get paid quite a lot. But here you are talking about quality. You don't want to take them jobs. Or, you know, under underwater mining or some shit like that. Or mining itself. I mean, these are, there's a lot of professions out there where there's a lot of money where men are, like, in. I get it. If you want to be doctors, yeah, fuck yeah. But and get this, they are more. Fe- I think there's more female doctors than there are men, you know, or within those fields at least that pay a lot. But when it comes to like dangerous work, you know, hardcore physical labor where it pays a lot of money, there's not that many women. And that's not like a anti. We didn't want to hire these women. It's not no, of, of the applicants. How many people are applying? So it must be a thing in which you know what is the desire here. You don't want equality. You want power. You want to be the CEOs without actually having to earn it. I mean, a CEO just wasn't born and says, hey, look, I'm a CEO. It's a person who created something. You know, you you got to create something to be number one, you know. You don't have a Mark Zuckerberg because he was just born that way. He was a ruthless character who took over shit, you know. And, that, and that's the way it is. Same thing with Amazon. It was a dude who just was ruthless and took over shit. That's what, that's what you need. Uh, you can't just be a CEO just because. You can't be an engineer just because. Just go into engineering. It's not like there's like a, a fucking, like, you know what? No, we're not hiring any women engineers. There's not that many. You have like 10 applicants and only two women applying. So 
their chances are not that good in comparison. You know, out of 10 people, only two people are women and applying. That means that there's eight other people that they're fighting against, you know. That's not good odds. Now, if you have five for five, that's different, you know. You have a 50% chance, you know. Um, my last thought was, uh, I watched the South Park episode, which was hilarious in the sense that, I mean, I can't believe they did that, but they did it. They, they always go for the most intense, uh, social satire that they could come up with. And one of them was, so trans women are, which is men who want to be women, they're just identifying and breaking records. So there's these uh, PC people, like woke, the woke culture. This woman's like, her name is Strong Woman. She's all working out and she's going to be like winning at this woman's like athletic competition. And so she's badass and she's winning all over. But this other chick comes out and it's it's basically like macho man looks like she's a wrestler she's so huge because it's a dude it's a dude who with a beard and who's like super buff and athletic and um is obviously a guy but he says because he identifies as a woman he could compete and he smashes everyone like all the women and he keeps because he's a woman, he says all this shit that's pretty putrid. Like, I'm going to destroy all these women because I'm a woman. I'm the strongest woman ever. And I'm going to fuck all these women up. And like, that's what he's saying, you know. And he can say that because he's he's, he identifies as a woman. And it's just to demonstrate how stupid this whole woke movement is. Your acceptance of everything is destroying everything, especially women. And this woman, and most women are woke, that's the thing. And it's because she's accepting this fucking, this this ideology, she in turn gets destroyed, you know, and unfairly, you know. And she knows it too, that's the sad thing. It's because she, her ex-boyfriend's a dick, you know. And to get back at her, he just says he's a woman, so he just smashes her record. So this guy just beats up everybody. He like fights this one lady and beats her to death, you know, and <laughs> she's all fucked up. So when they when they, when it comes to who won, she's at number one, or the the transgender person's at number one, and talking shit like I beat all the women. Look at this, I'm the best woman ever. Fuck you, and it's being really shitty towards women. And then uh, strong woman, the the main character, I guess, for this episode, is second place. And then you get the battered lady uh, number three because the transgender person beat the shit out of them. And this is a true thing in society right now, as of now. Had a pause. The kid came in. Interruption. Give me a second. Where was I at? And that's that's this that's the the whole crazy thing about this whole like this accepting the acceptance thing. You know, you do actually have in this day and age men who identify as women just destroying women's records. So here you are, a woman or a girl, trying your best, and you are like the apex predator of women. Problem is, men actually have physical advantages. But because we can't admit that, because science has gone away with this whole woke movement, and um, it's it's so weird too, because it's like you have to dispute science. Just bringing up the fact that men have physical advantages is a transphobist thing to say, and they make fun of that in that South Park episode. 
like the guy tries to the, the, there's this one guy who's super woke he he tries not to but he it comes out and he goes there's obviously physical advantages to being a man and the guy does the traditional thing that we have now in our real time where transgender women are saying you're just a transphobe that's what a transphobe would say you know i'm the same as any other woman you know that kind of bullshit and uh that's fucked up man <laughs> And this, and like that's a real thing. There's like there's women who run at these track meets, and this one woman, she was gonna like she would have won, she would have won. And there's a scout there for like the regionals or something like that. So, as as far as running to ex to excel to the next level, all she had to do was win, but she couldn't because there's like this black dude who's identifying as a woman and fucking took took it away from her. Things like that, and then same thing with like bench like deadlift competitions and shit men are just destroying their records that's what this this whole this whole acceptance of the, uh, transgender people is has gone crazy now it's okay to like accept them you know like hell yeah you, know, you want to be a woman so be it but to let them in the competitions is just ludicrous and anyone who's advocating for this is ridiculous you know i mean maybe the thought is and like it's funny because they never say it and they don't really even understand their own ideology. But if you would say in a perfect world you kept progressing in this direction. Um, no, that's just stupid. Men are born physically stronger. They just are. Not all of them, but if you go to the extremes, they are. So generally, nine times out of ten, they just, because they create testosterone, because they have testicles, that's the way it is, you know? That's why because of that you have this crazy wonky logic to like i don't know if you're three and you think you're a transgender person to give them hormones or something because that's the only real way to create a a person who's not physically superior in that sense like oh so if you have balls you're just because of the testosterone you're just gonna get stronger but if you were to use hormone replacement to reduce the amount of horm uh, testosterone coming out of them, then you would create that woman effect. However, here's a person developing, you know, man, woman, all that kind of bullshit. And um, when you start injecting hormones into the person, you're really fucking up their development. It's like you can't just grab an apple and decide it's an orange. You know, it's physically going to go where it's going to go. You know, it's just uh, it's such a crazy thing. But that's where your logic train goes, you know, when you're trying to, like, when you're pro-transgender to that level. You're like, well, fuck, you know, if if you want a woman to compete, or a man to compete as a woman in a female sport, the only way for that person to have ever achieved equality in that sense is that if they were kids, you would have used hormones on them. So there you go. Ergo, let's give children hormone replacement therapy. That's fucking retarded. And then all the people who are for that are stupid. And they don't want to because they know it's a failed argument as of now. It seems to be the people who are pro this are just biding their time for the numbers to to move up. I don't know, man. It's just so weird that like less than 1% of a population has actively changed science and and uh, literature and history they changed history you know it's like it's always been like this you know and they they changed grammar you, you have to say they instead of her or he they added pro gender pronouns they, this less than one percent has changed quite a bit this the society as a whole and 
I mean, there's something to that, that I think this was a necessary thing in human development to know that less than 1% can make a big difference in all of society. You have 350 million people, less than 1% of that group was able to change the entirety of that country. I don't even know how many people that is. You know, I mean, less than 1%. So if you had 10 people, less than one person <laughs> was able to change the ideology of all 10 people, you know? So, I mean, that goes to show you in a world like this, I mean, America can change the world, you know? This earth can change a galaxy or a solar system. The solar system can change a galaxy. That's, that's pretty cool if you think about it. All right, that's the end of my final thought. All right, so I had a thought, and I was thinking about this argument a while back between Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro. Now, Joe, because someone he knows or people like he's close with are gay, and um, he presses Ben Shapiro on gay marriage. And Ben Shapiro had an airtight, and, and still does, has an airtight argument for why he doesn't need to go to a gay marriage. He can be okay with the person, but he doesn't need to go to their, their marriage, right? And uh, Ben keeps, uh, not Ben, and, and Joe keeps pressing on him on, like, how can you be uh, not down for that? Like, so you're saying that God's let this person be like this and then uh, sucks to be them, you know? And Ben goes, it's not about that, it's about sin you know, and, um, everyone gets hung up on this sin, the, the, the gay thing, and it's not even gay, it's just, you know, sodomy, basically, you know, that's not part of the religion, you know, I and mean, if you're in this religion, you have to not eat bacon, you can't do this, can't do that, and one of them is also, you can't, you know, get it on with the dude, you know, I don't even think it specifies women, but I think they just interpret the concept, no, same sex kind of thing now to Ben's defense it's it's his religion you know it's not like a thing in which he's telling other people to live by in fact to be Jew you have to work to learn to become Jewish you know you can't just be Jewish not like Christianity you know you just sort of accept Jesus you know you have to go through like classes and shit you know uh, I mean well I, I guess you could just identify as Jewish can you do that I uh, religion I appropriation well, anyways, he says, yeah, but everyone gets hung up on this one aspect of the Jews. You know, in reality, it's like pff, all these sins, you know, and they go back and forth. But <clears throat> there's a certain logic to what he's saying. Like, I'm not down for the Jewish persuasion, but in, in the sense of the religion. But, uh, I mean, if you're living by that set of values, you know, who am I to, to try to um, stop your values? That's like him and stopping my values. He's not really stopping my values. He just doesn't believe in that shit. You know what I mean? Like, if, if a religion's, like, anti-gay, doesn't mean necessarily that they're anti-you. They're just anti-the sin, as all things, like murder, you know, or rape, or theft, or whatever other... Not being Jewish, that's a sin. You know, if you're Jewish, and and there's other people that are not Jewish, and th in their eyes, you're, you're sinning because you're not Jewish. You know, that kind of bullshit. You know, same thing with most religions. If you're not part of that religion, then you're obviously living in sin, you know. And um, people get hung up on that one aspect, you know. And I don't know why. 
And that's a weird thing. Maybe it's not articulated well. And I, I could see it. I could see the fact that some people are in within a religion and not they take umbrage in the sense that like, oh yeah, you know, you don't you eat bacon, ah, you know, that's bad. Oh, you're gay, oh fuck this guy, you know, that kind of bullshit. You know, they it's more like depending on the sin, you got severities and I guess like there's bacon, that's pretty bad. And then there's like killing, that's the worst. And then right in between, I think it's gay and gayness, you know? So I don't know if, um, what on the spectrum, because it's not really, it's not really, um, quantified uh, in their Torah or whatever. Or if you're a Christian, you know, the Bible. It's not really, there's no like spec spectrum there. And so they're all bad, you know, and everyone sins, you know, as long as you like ask for forgiveness and all that bullshit, right? I mean, there's something to be said about that. I mean, like, if someone's religion's like that, let them be. It's when they start becoming bigots or um, racist or anything like that. They start saying, oh, well, because you eat bacon, fuck you. You know, I don't think they do that. But if they do it with gay, too, like, oh, you're gay, fuck you. See, and that's the thing about Ben Shapiro, though. He he is of his own religion, but he, he's not shitty about it. He's a good representation for his religion, though, if you think about it. Because of how um, he's very stern, very strict, but it's not like he's gonna shit on Dave Rubin. Like, like those those two carry on cordially, and I, I'm pretty sure they would eat dinner. But he doesn't need to go to his marriage. Just like if there was a bacon festival, like you wouldn't see Ben Shapiro at a bacon uh, festival or a Jewish guy at a bacon festival. Same thing with a gay marriage. He wouldn't go to a gay marriage, and that's the thing that. Uh, Joe Rogan points out later on, like uh, recently, I, I heard him say that he goes. Um, how can you get all pissed about someone eating shellfish? Because I guess that's a thing in someone's religion. But gay gay people, that's no way. Like, or <clears throat> you could be okay with bacon eaters, but your gay marriage, not okay. But see, the difference is, it's, see, he misunderstands again the religion. You know, it's it's not the the bacon or the fucking a dude. That's um, he's gonna be shitting on both. You know, it's that's not part of his religion, so he's anti that. Now. When it comes to a marriage, um, that's condoning the sin, you know, in his religion, you know. And, I mean, he wouldn't go to a bacon marriage or a bacon festival or if you're going to marry bacon or something like that or, or a stealing festival or something like that within a sin. It's, it's the condoning of it, you know. Now, just talking to a person, that's one thing. Uh, you, you talk to bacon eaters all day, this and that. Everyone's sinning, that kind of thing. And... Um, and that's one of the things about, like, that Rogan. Like, he gets an idea in his head, and that shit's done. He likes to be the person who says, yeah, and, and hey, and get this get this straight. And, like, I really like Joe Rogan. He's a good guy, man. I, I'll listen to him day and day, that kind of thing. But I think in this one little aspect, he's not able to see the other side of the argument. He needs to argue for it. And it, it's, it's engraved in them, too, because the way he just casually said, oh, yeah, you're shitty about two pieces of cloth because it's something he fucking read long ago. And, uh, but, like, gays, no way, you know. But it's the idea of, you know, the celebration of the sin, you know. So you can be friends with someone who's sinning. That's that's going to be life, you know. If, if you took a separatist approach, you would be friends with no one, you know, because everyone's sinning, you know, in that respect. But going to a festival that's all about 
you know, debauchery. Let's worship gods, you know. Now that's against, you know, the religion, you know. You can be a person who's worshiping other gods or a, a cup or money. You worship money if you want. But going to a festival to worship said thing, you know, that would not be a good thing. And, um, yeah, he couldn't take, he can't take, he can't, like, I noticed that Joe can't take uh, leaps of logic or he can't cross over a threshold sometimes. He can't cross over to, like, um, like the alternate reality thing. He couldn't figure out, you know. But I, I guess that maybe it was too complicated, you know. He gets stuck, you know. And same thing with this, you know, Ben Shapiro, Jewish guy, doesn't want to do a, a thing in which <laughs> to, to go through sin, you know. Uh, it's not that he hates these people. I mean, that's when it gets kind of weird, right? You shouldn't be hating a sinner, you know, if you're a religious person, you should just not, you hate the sin, not the person, you know. And, I mean, you'd be friends with people who eat bacon, you know, as well as gay people. It's just that you can't go to their marriage, you know, and you and, you and your religion can't condone it because it's your religion, you know, strict values. You can't be like, hey, yeah, let's go worship other gods, you know. You can't do that. This is part of the religion. Um... There is one thing, though, with Ben Shapiro, when t thinking about him. So he's pro-death penalty, and that's because that's, that's, an, that's a thing in religion, right? You know, killing people for fucking random things, you know, whatever society deems bad, like killing or, what is it, forgetting the Sabbath, <laughs> that kind of bullshit. But um, he'd be pro-death penalty, and he goes, if, as long as there's significant evidence, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, it's, it's weird because, okay, so he is pro-choice, right? So he just considers it being a baby, but there's no significant evidence to say that, you know, a sperm and egg get together and that's life. You know, I mean, there's a chance that could be nothing. And so, but, but because you, you're taking the chance that it's life, you know, and that's noble. You know, I'm I'm for that. You know, he's taking a chance his life, so he's for for it. But for the death penalty, he's he's for. But there could be a chance to be innocent. You know, but it's okay to kill him. So, I mean, that's a bit of a contradictory. You know, in one aspect, there's a chance of life and death. You choose life. In another aspect, you choose guilty or not guilty. You just assume because we had a court system that that. That's enough evidence to make it guilty, you know. We've never killed anyone innocently in the uh, jury, jury, whatever the fuck, man, <laughs> in the court system. But we have. I mean, there there is actually precedence for precedence for um, killing innocent people, and um, we've done it, and we continue to do it. And he's for that, you know. So he's not choosing life. He's choosing death in one aspect. And for abortions, we haven't proven that when we put a sperm and egg together, there's some kind of a soul there. Well, there's, there's not going to be a way to ever prove that. But he chooses life. I wonder if he has ever had that mental game with himself. I, I would like to know his thoughts on that. I could research it, but no. I mean, like, if you're, if you're for, if you're for pro-choice, you should be anti um anti-death penalty in the sense that i mean there's more evidence or lack of to say that that person 
is innocent. You, you, I mean, even if they're, they're tried guilty, you don't really know. You know, you're just going by whatever evidence, you know. You know, you don't really know, you know. Same thing with the baby when the sperm and the egg comes together. You really don't know if that's life. You don't, you know. I think it's life, me personally. And that's a that's a weird thing. But let me let me let me finish this thought. So I mean like if in one instance you don't know if it's life and you're you're for it. But in another instance you don't really know if that person's guilty or not, even if the court system says so and and you're going for death. So like it's a contradictory thought, you know. If I was Democrat I'd argue, No, no, I don't agree. <laughs> Why? No, I just don't. <laughs> I've been doing that lately. Every time I argue with somebody, I'll say, I don't agree. But why? Yeah, I, I know. I don't agree. <laughs> and I just start laughing because it's stupid. No, um, I was going to say. Um, ben Shapiro, Jewish. Abortion, yeah. So, like, I mean, like, I get it. Yeah, I, in my head, I reasoned that when the sperm and the egg, and even then, like, that's still a stage of development of life, you know? Like, you have your um, baby, you have infant, you know, you got teen, adolescent. But it even goes backwards, though. It has baby fetus, you know, you got the embryo, you got a zygote and all that bullshit. Those are just developments of humans. It's just that we make this decision that, you know, because it's not outside the baby, you know, it's not... Uh, or outside of the the mother, it's not life, you know. And then we, then we make these these weird decisions in which you know one month is life, two months is actual life, and we'll we'll say three months is actual life. Oh no, we'll say four months is actual life. We don't know, we just don't know. We're just fucking stabbing in the dark, saying, oh yeah yeah, this is life. So then we're debating that because even the people who are pro abortion, they're, they they don't really understand their fucking ideology. They don't. They don't know what life is. You know, they, they, if you could be, if you're pro, if you're pro abortion, you can say, so eight months, that's, that's a, that's okay to kill, right? Right. No, no, of course not. How about six weeks? No. Yeah. You can. So you've decided that six weeks, that's uh, not life. And uh, eight months is, yeah, yeah. Cause it live outside the womb, you know, as far as we know. Right. And, um. But then you'll ask another person in another state where it's six months, right? So how about five months? No, 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 you can't. So th these two people believe the same thing, but at different timelines, you know? They're not, they're, the reason why it gets so vague, just like with immigration and illegal immigration, people get kind of vague about it, you know? You, you just hate immigrants, or, you know, I hate illegal immigrants. You just conflated the two. Same thing here, right? You just hate, uh, women you know because you don't like abortion i'm like wait so are you for eight months or are you for six weeks well, obviously six weeks but this person says eight months is okay this person says six months is okay you know you you don't you guys don't even understand you know and <clears throat> let's argue this so when the baby comes out you know your 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 goal is to say oh yeah life is when the baby can exist outside of the womb now so Say a baby's born a month early, or maybe two months early, and you can say it can exist out because we have um, uh, what is it the uh, the preemie section, you know, the incubators and all that. 
And so you say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's okay because they could exist because we have science, you know. Well, what happens when we can start putting baby embryos in, like, some kind of an incubator? I mean, that's, that's, that's technology we have now. We can do that, you know. I mean, it's not like we practice it. It's not something we do. But theoretically, you could create a, you know, an atmosphere through technology to, you know, hold a baby. You know, I mean, like, we're not doing that. I, I can see that. But no one really wants to do that, I don't think. But, I mean, we're not that far from it, you know. So what now, you know? Uh, anything can exist outside that fucking woman now. So, if you can have one stage of development exist outside the woman, and then an, a further along stage of development outside the woman, then what, what have we been doing all this time killing these kids? Now, like, now when it comes to abortion, though, you think, well, he's obviously pro-choice, or pro, no, pro, was a pro-life. Now, you know, check it. I don't care. I mean, we haven't figured it out yet. If we want to have an abortion, I think it's killing a baby. That's their thing. I think these uh, pro-lifers should stop trying to stop women from having abortions and just trying to change the word. Because I think it is killing. Executing life. I think if you called it that, as opposed to an abortion, then at least they know what they're going into. I mean, there is a possibility this is life. That's all they have to say. As opposed to like, yeah, it's not life. There's no, there's no science to say what is life. I mean, like a lot of people, you can grab an article and write. You know, I got an article says it is. I have an article says it doesn't. You know, so I mean, like, let's just say we don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing that people can't do nowadays. And uh, with that being said, I mean, hey, I think it's her choice. Once she wants to murder a kid, go for it. <laughs> if it's inside her, I mean, shit, that's just the way it is. It's just a, a weird situation that just arises where it's inside of a person. So it's up to them to decide. You know, in any other instance, like when it's born, you know, outside of her, you know, it's living on its own outside of her, you know, then then, then it becomes like murder, you know, like legal-wise. But there's only one condition in which this is inside you, you know. And I think that we should just omit that. We should just be like, hey, or admit it. Be like, hey, look, we don't know if it's life. We don't. But it, there's a chance it could be murder. But because it's inside of you, you get a pass. You know, that's what I think. I mean, go for it. Board away. It's not me doing it, you know. And then, you, and then like, your argument, the counter-arguments for abortion is weird. It's like, it's like, ooh, it would, like, they wouldn't be able to raise the baby. And da, 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 it'd be inconvenient. I mean, like, you, you, those are all bad arguments. So if I'm like... <laughs> Like, anytime uh, there's life and you can say out of inconvenience, you know, or how can I go to college when there's a living being, you know, <laughs> I gotta bullshit. Mm. All right, that's it. That's all. Those are my thoughts. Car thoughts. Motherfucking car thoughts. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I did one of these. It's been uh, holidays, so it's hard to get podcasts out. I'm always doing shit. But, um,. Yeah, I just watched The Irishman, and uh, I was wondering if I should break it down, and I will. So, spoilers if you haven't watched this movie, but uh, yeah, Irishman. So, Irishman is a Martin Scorsese movie starring Robert De Niro and uh, Joe Pesci and a bunch of other uh, people from uh, Martin Scorsese movies and thug movies and stuff. The Irishman's basically a mobster movie about an Irishman 
who just got hooked up with the uh, wrong or right crowd, depending on how you want to see it. Comes a mobster, you know. Kinda. He works for the mobster. He becomes a hitman for the mobster. That's basically all he does, really. And, um, and then it's really just the eye in the window of time. And um, there's a lot of deep parallels with uh, this movie and uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, Goodfellas. You know, he's got the... Goodfellas is a, another movie where it's like mobsters and shit in the life. And um, there's really no rhyme or reason to these movies in the sense that there's no, like... No, no really... There's no villain, really. There's no conclusion or anything. It's just things are happening and life goes on. And Goodfellas, it pretty much ends with uh, the main character just betraying his... Uh, his crew so he can live longer a mediocre life and it ends there when he's young so you don't really know how it ends really you just know that he betrays his crew and that's the end of it and um, life just goes mediocre from then on out in this movie it's different it's he never betrays his team and he just lives and die well now you don't see him die but you get to see him live through life as an old man and it's just a it's just a different perspective of the same kind of life except in the other one the guy kind of just knew everybody Goodfellas kind of knew everybody you know the the main character and that's about it he wasn't really a hitman people got killed but he wasn't really a hitman and this one he's he doesn't he knows everybody but he kills too so he's like a high octane calm version of it and it's it's kind of a weird movie too because like robert de niro and joe pesci are in the movie throughout and they just de-age them and then uh age them up over time and then and they play with time quite a bit like uh they go back and forth between the past uh, and, and the future and you just kind of roll around in that um it's kind of a mess of a movie really um it, i mean in the sense of time because you start out in the beginning of this guy's career and then you then you flash forward to the middle and then you flash back to the beginning mostly and then it kind of ends in the middle and then you get to see on it's three and a half hours too by the way it's a pretty steep time of a movie uh, I think it's way longer than Goodfellas but you really are just following the life of Robert De Niro as a mobster or kind of like a hitman for mobster and um, let's see let me break this movie down even further so you got an Irish guy he uh, I guess he was in the war uh, not World War II but the Vietnam War I think or Korean War maybe the Korean War no because he's fighting Germans so World War II we'll say yeah World War II so he was in the war <clears throat> and he's a he's a truck driver for the union and uh by happenstance he meets up with uh joe's pesci's character and he's a he's a gangster dude he's a high up there too he's like a made man and uh, they meet up with each other and uh, uh the irishman uh, i guess he gets a side gig with one of the mafia dudes and uh like delivers steak or whatever I know, like, I, I don't know. And then uh, he uh, ends up <clears throat> getting caught. And because he didn't name names on uh, where he was, like, like stealing steak and shit or whatever, 
the that that earned him favor with other mobsters. So he became uh, buddies with Joe Pesci in the sense that because he like he did he didn't name names he, that earned him some points. And um, I start, he started doing little side jobs like mafia jobs. Go here, do this. But he didn't really escalate to killing until like until like he. So he starts doing jobs for blowing shit up and getting rid of shit. And um, he, he decides to get more money from this other guy who wanted him to destroy some factory, some cleaning facility. And if he does this without telling anybody, he'd give him a lot of money. Turns out that belongs to Harvey Keitel's, well, like Harvey Keitel's in this movie. And he, he's a hardcore gangster. I guess he owns that, or he owns part of it, uh, this dry cleaner. And so Robert De Niro, the Irishman, he almost got fucking killed for this shit. But because Joe Pesci character, Russ, took a liking to him and said, Hey, look, man, this guy is cool. Don't kill him. He didn't know what he was doing. And then there's a lot of that going around, going around in this movie where people are just like having side conversations off screen. Or, or man, they, they have conversations on screen. You kind of see what it is. So you can kind of extrapolate what the what the fuck the conversation was off screen, where it's like you know, hey, this guy's good. And that's what it really seems like. A lot of the a lot of this is uh, kill people for security or not kill people because you trust them. Big trust based system, you know. It is definitely like a family that kills each other. So uh, Irish man, he um, he gets caught by the big gang man and. Getting mobster dude and Harvey Keitel's character was like, hey, look, I kind of own that place and you were going to blow this shit up. But if it wasn't for the fact that Russ talked for you, ah, oh, fuck. All right. If, the, if Russ hadn't talked for you, this would be a different story. And so Robert De Niro, he feels kind of like he fucked up, so he's going to make good on this. So he just up and decides to kill the guy who told him to do this job. And that just earns a favor. That's when shit changes right there. Just because he killed this dude on his own, it became a thing in which he would just be killing people left and right for the mafia. And he wouldn't do it for money. He would just do it for them. And um, out of that, he would just earn respect and um, status. And that's pretty much the movie, him killing people for people. Along the way, he uh, meets up with uh, Jimmy Hoffa. And what Jimmy Hoffa is, is this guy... It was kind of a gangster, kind of not. And um, he's part of this the unions of trucks, which for some, for some reason, the Irishman, his, his legal gig is being a truck driver. But that, it, that changes for him being a truck driver to killer. But I guess he still works for them, the truck drivers. And so this is his own little gang, is the unions. And the unions are all like fighting for the people and everything. And Hoffa, what he does, is he's the union president and what he does is he collects everyone's money like like union fees and pensions so he has all this money and what he's supposed to do is just hold it for everybody maybe even invest it so that they can have more money when they retire and he gets his money so he can give them uh, health insurance and shit like that so it's a pretty good gig but he starts using that money for other things like investing in hotels and shit that, that's pretty much what Hoffa does. And um, uh, the Irishman takes liking to Hoffa. Him and Russ, they kind of like Hoffa. They're like, this guy's cool. And uh, they just hang out with each other. And um, 
the Irishman, he really likes Hoffa. He's kind of like, they're both like in the army together, fucking killing, uh, not Jews, but uh, uh, Nazis and such. And uh, they, they, just, they just respect one another. But they're still kind of involved with the mob, mafia. Uh, the movie progresses slowly on what, what mobster life is, what union life is, you know. And uh, that's about it, really. And then it gets to a point where Hoffa goes to jail. And uh, he comes out and he has beef with this one guy, this one mafia dude. And that becomes a thing later on. He gets out of the, the prison and he tries to take back his union. And this is when the story gets kind of weird. Now, the Irishman has to choose between Hoffa and the mobsters. And because, or because, and he really likes Hoffa. They really built up that friendship pretty good. Their families intertwine pretty good. And it, it just gets weird. And it becomes, it's raining outside. So if you hear rain, you know, that's the way it is. So, um, they have, so uh, the Irishman has to choose between Hoffa, his best friend in the whole wide world, kind of, or the Mafia, which he chooses the Mafia and kills his best friend. This causes a rift between him and his daughter, who is played by Anna Paquin, who is rogue in X-Men. You know what? The females in this uh, movie don't really have much of a speaking role. And uh, I'm surprised they didn't get shit for that. Because that's a big thing nowadays. You know, women aren't talking enough in these movies. Even though it's not the narrative of the movie. It's about the Irishman, but whatever. Um, and, like, it throughout the movie, you see uh, the Irishman's daughter. He has several daughters. But one daughter in particular watches everything. She never talks. She just watches things. She notices things. And I guess she figures out that her dad killed Hoffa. And, like, Hoffa was really cool with her. They really liked each other. And it was kind of, um, it's weird because, like, they got a real family thing going. But I always, like, get kind of skeeved out when I see uh, old men, uh, you know, being friendly with uh, young girls. But I guess it's, like, all good, you know. And uh, she blames him for the murder of Hoffa, which, you know, it's funny. He does... He does eventually just kill her, him. And he kills him in a random way, too. Like, it's not even... They don't even build it up that much. They build up the friendship. They build up the lead-up to the decision to killing him. And when it's executed, it's basically... He goes in the house. He shoots him. It's no, like, drawn-out drama between the two characters. It's just he shoots him. There's drama between the two characters when they're talking. He goes, look, man. You gotta chill the fuck out. Stop trying to get this union. Stop talking shit. And fucking know your place. And Hoffa's like, fuck you, I can do whatever the fuck I want. So he comes out, he goes out bla a blaze of glory, you know. Because he just gets shot, you know, for trying to be who he is and never backing down. I mean, that's fucking tight, you know. He never backs down, but he dies, you know. So there's something to be said about that in this movie. Because you get, you get a contrast here. Because the one who survives through all of it, you know, all the killing and double crossing and shit like that is Irishman. He lives all the way. He kills Hoffa. His family hates his guts because of all the murdering he was doing. And they were afraid to talk to him because every time they talked to him about some shit and someone like did something to him, like just, okay, so for instance, one guy, I guess he pushed his daughter uh, just by accident or 
because she did something and then uh Robert De Niro goes fucks him up but it's kind of weird too because Robert De Niro is pretty old so the acting's pretty terrible he kind of like throws him into a window and just steps on his hand and it's, it's funny because this guy's younger than you can tell that he's younger than Robert De Niro actually and um it's like you're just acting out this old man beating your ass it just doesn't make sense you know but I don't know, man. Maybe they should have did different actors for the young parts of Robert De Niro, but they just kept Robert De Niro throughout the movie and just de-aged him. I guess, like, this felt like Robert Scorsese's last movie. Not last movie, but, like, a movie in which he's trying to... It's his last mobster movie, kind of, because he did Goodfellas and a bunch of other shit, and now he's doing this last one. I guess this is, like, a swan song, and he's showing the life of a gangster who lived. Because the, the mob, uh, Irishman, he really doesn't really do much other than, uh, like, as soon as he goes to prison, him and he goes to prison for some random fucking thing. And so does Joe Pesci's character, uh, Russ. He goes to prison. And they, they both go to prison. They get really fucking old. They all die, except for the Irishman. He lives alone, and he's all fucked up looking. And um, there's no remorse in him. He doesn't fucking feel like he did anything wrong. Even He killed his best friend. And no remorse. At the very end of it, <laughs> the, these FBI, because he's old as fuck. He's in, he's in a wheelchair. He can barely move. And uh, arthritis. He's always in pain. But at least he survived, right? At the very end of it, the FBI are like, look, bro, everyone's dead. You know? So did you kill Hoffa? Tell us what you did with Jimmy Hoffa. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh... I'm good, man. And the guys in the FBI are like, look, man, who are you protecting? Like, there's no one to protect. Like, if, you, if, you, if you're ratting on people, you're ratting on dead people. There's, if you tell us what happened, there's nothing. At least you can, you know, do a little bit of good. You know, like Hoffa's family will know that you killed them or whatever the fuck, right? And the guy, true to himself, is like, nah, nah, bitch, I didn't do shit. I didn't do nothing. So he ends up not telling anybody anything never never rats anybody out even though no one can get to him just nobody and he ends up talking about and it's fun okay so for instance he's sitting there he's in a wheelchair he um he goes to a priest you know because he's dying because he's old and he's all like uh they, they do the thing where he uh pen penance or penance penance you know before you die make sure like god's cool with you which doesn't really work in the and if you follow the bible you can't just be like on your deathbed and be like oh forgive me you know even though like contradictory inside the uh bible he says you know, forgive everything so it's kind of a weird thing uh and um he, he you know does his thing with the priest priest is like you have nothing to regret nothing at all and you would think that the one regret he would have would be to kill killing his best friend or that his daughter isn't um doesn't like him because he's such a bad dude because i guess he's a bad dude he kills people and um and no regrets he has nothing nothing to regret like that or you could take it as in he does have regret he just doesn't want to rat himself out on regret he can't even rat himself out to god that's that's how hardcore this guy is <laughs> he won't rat on anybody even though there's no one to to rat out and he won't rat out himself to god this guy goes out fucking true thug through and through and then just dies they don't even show him die 
they just show him in a wheelchair at the very end of the movie by himself and the camera kind of pans away from him in this this room by himself so basically he made the end goal so the end goal of a of a mobster dude like this dude or a hitman is you just die of old age you know painful old age nobody loving you and the things that his accolades right he was like union president at one point killed a bunch of people which he can't take credit for he was with hoffa and um that's a big deal i guess in his world he's like jimmy hoffa's the best and they say that he was like the beatles like he was the best guy ever right and um they go to uh they uh he's uh he's getting his blood pressure taken and um he <laughs> And this lady, he's like, he's he's looking at old pictures of his past. This is like the end of the movie. He's looking at his past and his pictures. He's trying to be prideful of shit. And he goes, he goes, do you know who this is? And this nurse is taking his blood pressure. He's like, nah, I don't. She says, that's Hoffa. You know who Hoffa is? And this is a big deal in his world. She's like, no, nah, I actually don't. And um, that's pretty much it. it. It's a contrast. It's showing you that. Even the best things in his life don't mean anything at the end. He picks out a coffin for himself. And um, even like he's in such denial of things in his life in the sense that he um, he thinks that. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's denial, but it, it's a weird uh, philosophy that he's come up with. He wants to be buried in a crypt because if he goes in the ground, it's so final. If he gets cremated and his ashes are spread, it's so final. He thinks that, you know, at the end of it, he could just, you know... I don't know. I think he's afraid of death. It's more nuanced than that. I don't know. I really have to, like, hash this out with other people to try to, to get the understanding of this movie completely. Um, what else? Uh, it's, it was a really entertaining movie. Will it last the test of time? I think it doesn't because, it, and it won't, because it ends on such a, like, not a sour note, but like a bit of, bit of a whimper, you know? And then Goodfellas ended in such a way where all the, good, all the bad guys got caught. He, the, the main character kind of just betrays everybody. He just kind of falls apart. And in the end, he lives a mediocre life. And this one, this guy lives and pretty die dies alone I don't, I don't know these are both depressing endings but i don't know goodfellas seems a little bit more memorable because there's a lot of um there's a lot of laughs a lot of let's see here like a lot of good pieces to it and this and the irishman i can't really think like although i was entertained i was drawn to the movie it was entertaining i really there wasn't no scene where you're like oh yeah where you could talk to your friends about like for instance in uh goodfellas you could be like there's a part where this one guy this kid he talks shit to joe pesci's character and joe pesci shoots him and um the kid comes back right and um even after that even after being shot he still talks shit and everyone kind of laughs and joe pesci's character flips out and kills this dude and uh that's pretty memorable or where Joe Pesci, a lot of Joe Pesci moments, you know. In this movie, Joe Pesci kind of plays it pretty, pretty calmly. Like he doesn't get mad or anything. And uh, Robert De Niro's character, like, there's a little bit of a anger in him at one point when his daughter in the beginning of the movie. But there was no passion to this movie. 
Like, there was a lot of heart, you know, with conversations, but there wasn't no passion. And the other movie, there was a lot of passion, you know. And the reason why you compare the two movies, because they're virtually the same kind of movie, you know. It's about a mobster and their life, and, and you get to see how things are done. And uh, little explanations here and there about the union and how that works. In this movie, it's the same fucking thing, except there's really no passion to it. I think I can, I can say that. There's, I can't think of anything that was riveting about this movie where I'm like, oh man, this part was cool, you know? Yeah, that, yeah it was pretty mellow. As I, in retrospect, as I think back on the movie, I can't think of anything. In, man, it, it, they exploded some cabs. We'll see. Uh, there was a lot of killing of people. They insinuated that the Mafia killed JFK because he fucked up the whole Colombia thing or Cuba thing because they were trying to get casinos in Cuba because that didn't work out too well. They decided to kill uh, Kennedy because they're the ones who got him uh, voted in. What they would do is they would go to the uh, cemeteries, get names, and then vote according to those names over and over and over. To get them voted in, I guess. Uh, whatever. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, man, there's no memorable characters. Pro Tony, whatever. Uh, Hoffa's character was pretty cool. Harvey Keitel's character is cool because he's Harvey Keitel. But he doesn't really do much. Uh, Joe Pesci's character, although is in through the whole movie. I mean, he doesn't really do much in the sense for the movie. The Irishman, he does... <laughs> he kills a bunch of people. Let's see. Uh, I, man, I got nothing for you guys. This movie really doesn't have much. I'm going to really have to talk it over with some people. And maybe, maybe there's more to it. Let me pause this. You know, after going over several reviews of this movie, a lot of people seem to like it. And it's, a, it's an odd thing because I, I do like when I watched it when I watched the movie I was like this is a pretty good movie it's very entertaining it captivated me you know there's moments in it like I, I figured I had predicted that there'd be moments in the movie where I'm like this is it you know this is a epic kind of moment you know between these two actors but in reality it, once again these are all like I don't know watching a person breathe really cool like because although there's some really good acting scenes they're not very memorable, and I, I watched this uh, one review where they just kind of picked out a part, and I, it just felt like people were just trying to. Um, there's there's a there's a thing that happens with people when they look at a statue or an animal, and they kind of um, instill into that picture or animal or or statue or whatever what their feelings are. Like this is about this. In reality, there's nothing there. It's just an object, and then you just kind of, I don't know, say, or, or a dog. You're like, oh, yeah, this dog is happy or sad, or this dog is uh, thinking about life or whatever. But reality, you're just, you know, putting whatever's inside you onto the thing that you're looking at, you know. And sometimes people project their feelings on other people as well. And that's what I think this movie is. People project what they think a good movie is and then say, yeah, this is a good movie. Like Dunkirk. Dunkirk's a terrible fucking movie. Yet, 
I have a friend who fucking thinks this movie's the best. And the reason he likes it is because of the planes and the era. But when I watch a movie, and I, I guess that's a thing, you know, you can like a movie just purely for the action. You can like a movie purely for the for the acting. And then you can like a movie purely for the topic at hand. Or something like that. And then everything else kind of gets fleshed out after that. You're like, oh, this is a... Like, so, for instance, this is a mobster movie. It's a Scorsese movie. All the all the right pieces are there. All the good actors are there. And, um... And then it became a thing in which people were like, oh, this is such a good movie. And it's because of Martin Scorsese. And, and although, I mean, it's a, it's a good movie the way it was made and everything. But, I mean, I feel like I've seen this already. It's just a different iteration of it. You know, like, it's the same thing as all these other mobster movies. Except in this one, you get to watch the guy grow old and die. You know? And so, that's like the only thing different. And it's like something like, I never really thought to myself, that would be cool. It's like someone taking a shit. I mean, I never thought to myself, I need to see someone taking a shit. You know? But then you put it in a Martin Scorsese movie... And then that's okay. Although that doesn't happen in the movie. I'm just saying like growing old and dying isn't really like... I, I don't know if that's a thing to want to watch. You know, you watch these movies because they're like a window in life, you know. And you just like end it on a good note or a bad note or whatever. This movie literally ends and it it is pretty finalized in the sense that you watch this guy grow old and die. But not really die. I mean, he's just an old man by himself. Like really old. And uh, most movies don't do that. Like, you don't watch Terminator and watch, you know, in that in the breath of the movie, John Connor grow up and then fight the rebellion or anything. Just it's a window in time and, and something that happens. Or you don't watch, um, I don't know, Kickboxer and then, like, Van Damme beats the main bad guy and then you watch him grow old and die. That's not something that happens. But this in this movie it is, you know. And... Um, I mean, there's moments in this movie that do happen, and they're well written and it's well acted. But is it is it good? Because I don't I don't think I don't. What is good? You know, really, you, you really got to question what is good. Like, is it the the dialogue that makes it good? I mean, dialogue was okay, but I mean, it's well written. But the, I don't come away from a scene or any of these scenes of the Irishman. Like, there's an instance where J- Hoffa is talking to Pro Tony. In the prison, and that's that's an event that some reviewers said, "Oh, yeah, that was a great moment." And it's just these two characters talking, and then it comes to a head. I didn't really think to myself when I watched it, like, "This is an epic scene." I just thought to myself, "There's two people talking, and then it ends with the fight, which isn't that great." That's another thing about this movie: the, the fucking actors are so old that um, that, that when they move, and they're supposed to do some kind of actiony kind of move, although they're supposed to look young. They can't really move like that. So maybe they should have got stunt doubles or something like that. I don't know. And this whole de-aging thing. I didn't know this was a thing. But a lot of people got hung up on this de-aging thing. Like that's that's the substance of a movie. I never really judged a movie by its special effects or anything like that. I just judged it on the base of the story, the characters. And how, how well it put together it is. You know. Following by, you know, actual things of substance where I'm like oh yeah I really like this scene there was nothing in this movie where I was like I really enjoyed the scene I enjoyed watching the movie but I can't understand why a lot of people are liking this movie the way they are and I feel that it's one of those things where you're projecting 
what you think a good movie is onto this movie because like one one reviewer said that this movie is like a like meditation you know with characters because it's true because you have two characters talking like you have joe pesci robert de niro they're shooting the shit and um that's it they're just shooting the shit it's not really like an up or a down it's just a window in time where you're watching these two characters just talk to each other and um and it does that a lot where there's characters having moments where there's nothing happening it's very quiet and they're just going through the process of that of whatever emotion or subject matter that they're having like there's one instance where um uh, uh robert de niro's character the irishman he, he's like calling jimmy hoffa's wife and um is it jimmy hoffa i forgot Hoffa, like, yeah, it's Jimmy Hoffa, yeah, Colin, I think it's Jimmy Hoffa, ah, fuck, Hoffa, and, um, it, he, he's the one who killed Hoffa, but he's pretending that he didn't, and so you see him trying to pro, it's like, as he's talking about it, he's going through, um, some emotions, because he's actually, like, feeling bad about this shit, now, a lot of instances in The Irishman, he just gets shit done. Like, he does these real bad things, and uh, he doesn't process that emotion, you know? It's only until he's calling his, uh, Jim or Hoffa's wife, and then he starts, like... Because it was his best friend, and uh, he starts emoting. And I think they should have had more instances of that. Less talking and more instances of, you know... I. I'm dead inside unless like he starts talking about it then he starts to realize what he's done but there wasn't those epiphanies for the character he truly doesn't take a hero's journey in this one he kind of just like you could say that the wise men of Russ and the wise man of Hoffman are getting him through but he really doesn't come to any real realizations he's just a selfish character because at the very end the only reason why he wants to talk to his daughter and everything is because he's dying and I, I it feels like he's just realizing he's alone but without processing that emotion even when he's talking to the priest he can't process the emotion of of guilt or anything like that especially when it's all over and he's all by himself at the very end with nothing to show for it you know other than just a bad achy body the survivor of everybody and he's just sitting there and uh that's it you know it's like he doesn't even cry to himself you know because he doesn't really know he hasn't learned to process this emotion he's just a, a mountain of a person there's one part where he's talking to i really wanted more of that like him interacting with his his kids at the end of life but he only interacts with one kid and uh, one of his daughters and he's like He's talking to her, and see, I feel like they could have done more with this, but they didn't. They spent a lot of time with the characters talking to each other, and just kind of like living life. Not even to the fullest, just living life, and um, that's about it. But like when he's talking to his daughter, you would think there's there's something to move the needle, you know? Like for me, it's like a, for story for context for context let's move the story forward doesn't move it's just because the character's so stoic he starts talking to his daughter and trying to mend mend bridges with her and she's all like uh he tries uh he tries to reason that the things he did was to protect his children from something he never really explains what that something is it's like really you're the cause of all of this you know 
he's the he's the cause of their pain against him. He's he's protecting them from the bad. He is the bad guy. Everything he is is bad, you know. And uh, protecting him from some imaginary person that he can't even quantify. He can't even put a label on who he hates, you know, or who who could get after him. The only person that could get after him are the people that he's involved with, you know, because of him. You're protecting them from him, you know. I mean, and he can't even process that kind of emotion. But it doesn't really go forward. You just have the 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 woman, the daughter, just kind of like, uh. and then the aging and de aging kind of confused me in the sense like I didn't know what time period they were in. I was like, they all look old. He looked old, but like younger old, and um, I and I I didn't understand who what age is who, you know, because okay, for instance. Uh, his daughter, um, who's played by Anna Paquin from, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, Star Trek, X-Men, marries this other guy where it doesn't make sense because she's like, okay, she's like a little girl at the time. So she's like, what, 10, 12 when she, uh, when he meets this one guy, Romano, played by whatever his name, Romano. And he's a lawyer then. So he's, what, in his 20s? Let's just say he's in his 20s. And she grows up to be, what, 30? If they're trying, because she does look 30. She doesn't look like 20. She looks 30. So she gets in her 30s. So, what, 15 years later? So he's, like, what, 45? Hey, they made him look old. She just buries some old guy for no fucking reason. I, it just didn't make sense. A lot of those characters aren't fleshed out. Her daughter is... I mean, his daughter is just, like, there. She's just a set piece, you know? And uh, is that a thing in Martin Scorsese movies where he just writes women kind of weak and just there? You know, they don't really do anything for the plot. They're just there. They're set pieces unto themselves. And then the characters work around them, you know? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, all in all, man, I, I liked the movie when I was watching it, but it's only until I started thinking about the movie... And, and talking about this review where I just I, I, I just disliked it in that sense. Like, I'm not going to watch it again. I mean, I, maybe. I don't know. I can't see myself wanting to watch this again. Goodfellas, I'll watch again and again. Godfather, all these monster movies, you can watch again and again. But The Irishman just seems like... Because you know the end goal, it, the end result is him... Um, just growing old and die, dying. I mean, the, the adventure to that is pretty bland. I mean... They're having conversations. They're killing random people. And that's about it. I don't know. Something about Goodfellas was just better. Because it seemed like, I don't know, grunt work getting done. And I don't know. That seems more action-paced or um, actually story-driven or like it moves in a direction than, say, they're having a conversation. They decide to fucking kill a guy. They're having another conversation. Someone disrespected him. Time to kill him. I don't know. It was so final in that respect. Yeah. I, You know what? It reminds me of Black Panther. You know how people get hung up on certain things? Like, for Dunkirk, everyone's like, oh, it's so great. It's such a good movie because they're flying and shit. <coughs> and then uh, it's epic, right? Whatever. <laughs> what? Who's the main bad guy? You have no fucking clue. There is no main bad guy in Irishman. You got, um, what's another movie? Oh, like, Black Panther. Black Panther is an okay movie, but it's okay as you watch it, but it really is not that great. And um, at the end of it, like, are you going to watch that movie again? I actually watched it twice just to see 
So I really hated this movie, and I, I didn't. I didn't like it, and I, I, yeah, I just didn't like the movie. It was long and drawn out. Just shit was happening, and it ends, you know. And uh, I don't, I don't feel like anyone's gonna watch Black Panther anytime soon after the first viewing, you know. It's not like an Iron Man three where you first watch it, and you don't like it, but then you watch it again, you're like, hey, you know what? It's not that bad. And it turns out it's one of the best of the movies, you know, of all the. Marvel movies is one of the best of them. Not the the best, but it's better than, say, like, Infinity War. Like, you're not going back to Infinity War. Even though I like it, you know, I watched it a bunch of times. I mean, Iron Man 3, I'm probably going to watch again, like, ten years from now. You know, because I watched it again recently. I was like, that's a really good movie. Irishman is not a movie I'm going to watch again. And, like, Black Panther, I, I swear, I think the hype was more than what the movie is. And then people watching the movie have just... I don't know, projected the fact that, oh, this was a good movie, but reality isn't. They're not watching it again. And same thing with Black Panther. It's not that great of a movie. I don't see anyone watching it again. You know? There's a lot of movies out there where, you know, people say it's good, but it's not really good. It's, it's not a good movie at all. I don't know. I, let's see. I liked it when I watched it. I don't like it when I think about it. Uh, I'm going to have to just talk to more of my friends about this movie to get to get a real good beat but I, I really can't remember that shit that's memorable I feel like I can convince people that this movie wasn't that great well anyways I give this movie out of 10 I give it an 8 you know because I really enjoyed it watching it but uh maybe a 7 yeah I'll give it a 7 all right guys that's it well that's it for a uh, podcast for me on that uh that one going to uh, upload it and uh, if you've already heard this podcast before with the shitty intro uh, you're not really uh, gaining much but you're gaining the sense of self no i'm kidding (laughs) and uh, as always uh, don't just decide to hurt people because you think that's the way it's going to be you know to get your result you know and uh, take a look at your own ideologies to see if they contradict with other ones then you can have a stronger ideology. So as always, be the better person than you were yesterday. Always strive to be better. Always better. Because you won't be. And that's the goal, right? All right. Stay frosty.